no one's going to call me and say, you can post now. So the people that post become the thought leaders. And I thought the same thing on my first franchise tip video back in 2020. I'm like, wow, people are going to see right through this. I thought the word franchisor was a typo. I didn't even know that was a thing. Let's just talk about video. And it got so engaged. I'm like, whoa, I guess these people, they want to hear what I have to say, right? So yeah, I really hope someone watching this, literally after you're done watching this, post a 20 second video and talk about a tip, literally, and then post the first draft. And you can even say, hey, it's my first video, don't make fun of me. And it will be your most watched video of the year if you just post it. Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. We are on a mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs just like you take action through franchise ownership. Allowing you to obtain more financial freedom, time with family, and ultimately a business that can run on its own without you. Okay, excited. This is one of our newest and exciting podcasts. This is Dan Claps, co-host, and I've got Christian Dadalak on. How you doing, Christian? What's up, man? Happy to be on. Yeah, me too. We've got a special guest on today, Trevor Rapoli. Trevor, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, if you've listened to our show, we don't like reading the bios that people send to us. So we always like to start with just an introduction. Can you give us a quick bio on your background? Yeah. Uh, man, I've been filming since I was 13. I like to tell people this. I was filming with a VHS camera, you know, all that stuff back in the day that our mom and dad had on their shoulder, the big rigs. And that's when I realized at 13, I fell in love with filming. And it's went from me filming weddings to small business videos to now 90% of what we do is in the franchise space. So we are obsessed with filming successful franchisees, successful people that use your service. That's what we do all the time. Love that. I think one of the recurring questions we've been asking on the show is, how did you get into franchising? Because, and again, we say this almost every episode at this point, but you really do find franchising or franchising finds you rather versus you find franchising. So tell us about the story about how you got involved in franchising. Why did you choose to focus on franchising as a niche to grow your business? So I wish I could say it was something I did on purpose, but it wasn't. It just kind of happened, right? So 2018, I was doing a video for Go Minis franchising, found us on Yelp. We did a small video for them. And at the very end, the CEO at the time goes, you should go to IFA. I'm like, what does IFA stand for? I searched for it. I, I didn't know what it meant. And I found out how much it costs just to attend. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. That's not going to be worth it. And then he said, trust me, I will introduce you to everyone I know. And it was an IFA in Vegas. That's when I realized, wow, franchise people network, they learn, and they have a lot of fun. So I fell into franchising in 2019. And I walked the floor, I was talking to people, and just nobody had video. Like no TV at the booths. I would intentionally sign up for an email list no video. And I'm like, am I really going to be the team that comes in and says, just film happy? That might be a lead. Who's ever called is ringing. Right at the peak of the story. So I will keep on going. So that plays into what I was about to say, which is being authentic, 
right? I just muted my Slack right before I started talking. So that was about to happen to me too. So IFA, we, I was walking the floor. No one had video. And when they did, it was the worst video I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm just like, are we going to be the company that comes in and tells these brands to just film your successful franchisees? And the answer is yes. So we fell in love with franchising. We had our first booth in 2020, right before COVID. And I am obsessed with franchising. I'm never leaving. It's my favorite space. Never leaving. Franchise, what do they say? Franchise for life? I'm thinking of the Wolf of Wall Street movie when he's like, I'm not leaving. That's it. <laughs> it's a great little tagline. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. You're hooked in. It's kind of like a mafia kind of thing. It is. It's such a tight-knit, close community. You build so many great relationships. I mean, it's obviously a huge industry, but once you get involved, it is a very, very small industry in many cases too. So pros of that is you can build a great reputation fast. Con of that is you can ruin a reputation very fast as well. Mm -hmm. But it is a fun industry with a lot of fantastic people. And it's so collaborative in nature versus a lot of other industries out there that are maybe a little bit more cutthroat. Mm -hmm. So it's a good place to be, no doubt. I was thinking, and not to get off topic, Teddy Fine stopped by my house with his wife. He came by because he was in the city. Him and his wife on like Saturday night and we're hanging out. And I can't explain it. I realized right then and there that you're never going to leave the franchise industry once you're in it. It's just you're too connected to everybody. It's like another family. Yeah, and it's really interesting. And I won't insert the brands that we've helped or that I talked to this with. I'm talking like billion dollar brands, multi-million dollar brands with 500 franchisees. And literally the conversation goes, should we film our franchisees? We've never done that. And I'm just obsessed with showing people how our team films the happiness and the success of these franchisees. It's my favorite thing. And it makes me want to be a franchisee, honestly, one day at some point. There's a lot of young people in franchising as well, but I think us young people, we really understand that video marketing, video content is critical. It gets massive engagement on just about every platform. You look at TikTok, Instagram, all the video content, that's what people love because it engages all of the senses for the most part outside of you know taste and smell, of course. But you can almost get there, right? With some of the visuals and some of the sounds. But I'm curious as to your opinion, Trevor, as to why you think some of the franchise industry doesn't really understand the importance of video content and what you see that importance as being and how it can really help the franchise community? Well, I can say sales and how leads convert totally is different from the 90s and the 2000s. But franchising just kind of stayed the same, right? It's that classic saying, well, if it's working, why are we going to start doing something else? And I mean, we have seven seconds to grab someone's attention on our website. And that blog post, I'm not saying blogs don't work, but the long blog post, the white paper, the 20-page thing, it just doesn't work anymore. So the best thing that brands can do, whether you're a franchisor, supplier, is get social proof on your website. People care about what I think about what we do, but they don't really care. Like They'll watch it, but... They want to hear what the brands we have helped, how we have helped them. So what's better, sending the fifth cold email or sending an email with a video talking about how a brand or a franchisee to social proof over and over and over. And the number one error I see that people make in the franchise space is 
they just get a talking head. They just get a talking head of someone rambling because HQ wrote a script. And HQ and most leadership teams don't know how to write scripts for marketing videos. So we don't even allow scripts. We actually run away from that. Let's ask five to 10 questions. How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel that you can see your kids at dinner now and then film the kids at dinner? How does it make you feel that you control your life and you no longer work a nine to five and then show a picture of the father on vacation on a Wednesday and put that into a 60 second video and put it on the front of your website, put that in your email campaign. And the trick that I never see people do is put it in your signature. Whoa. Right. It right in the signature. See what we did for Bob here. Write it down. Right? I mean, and it's so simple. And some people may say, well, it looks bad. I'm like, well, I'll take it if it leads to a lead that I wouldn't have gotten. I can't agree with you more about everything you've said so far in this episode, really. You know, the authenticity component too. I know for me, I'm just learning that. I recently turned 30 and we're all at a similar age on this podcast. And I had this realization that the real me, the full me, I was always kind of filtering. And I was like, you know what? That's it. I'm not going to filter the real me anymore. I'm going to be as much me as I possibly can. And if you don't like it, then I don't know. For better or worse. Yeah, for better or for worse. And then I thought about all these people that we look up to, people that are in different roles in media, and they're authentic. That's why you like them. So you capture that on video. Literally, I used to be there too. I used to hide who I was. Actually, it goes back to IFA 2019. I almost didn't go to the happy hours and I almost didn't go to the final night when they closed down light nightclub. I was like, I can't show that side of me. I can't really dance. Like I can't dance with leads. Like that's going to make me look bad. Literally, I texted my mentor that night while I was on the dance floor. I was like, I just got three leads and everybody's four drinks in and this is really fun because I wasn't hiding who I was and people want to work with people they like. And this corporate robotic thing, it doesn't work anymore. Like you're just a cog that looks like everybody else. What's that saying? Cog in the machine, right? Yes. Like, so be that person that's memorable, that's loud, that's funny please still post this outtake of his phone ringing during the intro of this podcast. Like, that's funny. That's authentic. What makes me think about people like Red Boswell, for instance, president of IFPG, him on LinkedIn and all of his videos, but he's unapologetically, authentically himself. And some of it's funny. He can post different types of content, but people engage with him and engage with the content because it captures them because he's unapologetically red. Mm-hmm. And granted, you know, he's got the whole red thing going on. And he, Brilliant. Is it Vans or is it, I always forget, is it Vans or Converse? I think it's Vans. Brilliant. Great branding, right? But he's unapologetically himself. And I think the more that people can do that and capture it on film and camera and put it in the right places, like you're saying, Trevor, I think that that's absolutely critical, especially in today's marketplace. If you really want to connect with someone, the way that we all communicate over email these days and LinkedIn, it's so, like you said, it's robotic and mm-hmm. like, oh yes, well, as per my last email, it's like, Nobody wants to talk like that, especially our generation. Let's just be real. Like, I'm going to say, dude, I'm going to say, bro. I mean, that's who I am. So, you know, we can keep it professional, but there's also a time to kind of let your hair down. So you're saying you're a bro. I'm in California, (laughs) so I'm more of a dude. I'm more of a dude. (laughs) Well, 
Trevor, you're in California now, but you're moving, correct, right? I'm in California now. I love California. I'm looking at the beach, but I'm also renting. I'm 32 now, right? And I'm like, I want to be able to afford something nice. So yeah, making the move to Houston in a couple months and beautiful neighborhood. There's like a 12 acre lagoon inside the neighborhood. I've already talked to some people about doing like an annual whoever comes lagoon weekend. We'll get a bunch of cabanas, like rent out the thing. We would film the whole weekend. Like it's just fun. Right. And kind of going back to red, it's so funny. Red does what we're all afraid to do, which is yell out, we're taking a cell phone video and everyone's like, oh, but they're like, crap, I should have thought of that. Yeah. And he is where he's at because he does that every single time. And a little side note here. I always tell people you need to invest in a film crew always. But why some of our most watched videos on my LinkedIn is a cell phone shaky video, 30 seconds of them saying, we love working with franchise filming. They were on time. They were on budget. And the videos are so inspiring. Those get watched more than our edited videos. And I'm not afraid to say that. To have a mix, like it just baffles my mind how we overthink things. So we end up doing nothing. And that's the worst thing you could do is just post, post. You know, whether you're a franchisor, franchisee, supplier watching this, just post fun, humanizing content. It's funny with the video. The first time I ever took a video, it was with like a LinkedIn consultant. I have a pretty okay LinkedIn following. And he said, we're going to take a video. And it was me and him, like a selfie. And we took the video. And then he's like, let me have your phone. Okay, so I give him my phone. And he posts the video. And I'm like, whoa, let me see that video. It's like kind of a weird video. Like I didn't think I looked good. He's like, no, no, no. If you watch the video, you're never going to post it. And he made me post it. And once it was up, you know, I'm not going to delete it. And that got me out of caring about how perfect it looked. And then fast forward, I would post a video on LinkedIn every day. I haven't been lately, but a little bit more bogged down with some stuff. But usually post these videos. And yeah, you feel like a narcissist. Like, why am I posting a video? And what do I have to say? But then you look at the impressions and you wait. You go, wait a minute. At 4,000 mm-hmm. impressions for free. Mm-hmm. Now I can't imagine what you get when you take a real video like you do at your company. It's even better. And going off that, I just have to say this. I need to say it before I forget. I read some book. It was probably Gary Vee or something that said, no one is going to call you and say, hey, all right, it's time for you to be a thought leader. Go ahead and post. (laughs) And I'm like, oh crap, that's good. And I said, no one's going to call me and say, you can post now. So the people that post become the thought leaders. And I thought the same thing on my first franchise tip video back in 2020. I'm like, wow, people are going to see right through this. I thought the word franchisor was a typo. I didn't even know that was a thing. Let's just talk about video. And it got so engaged. I'm like, whoa, I guess these people, they want to hear what I have to say, right? So yeah, I really hope someone watching this, literally after you're done watching this, post a 20 second video and talk about a tip, literally, and then post the first draft. And you can even say, hey, it's my first video. Don't make fun of me. And it will be your most watched video of the year if you just post it. 100%. I love that. That's an incredible quote. The guy that shouts, the gal that shouts, whoever shouts from the rooftop, that's the person that gets noticed. Mm -hmm. And if you do that often enough, 
even if your message is crazy, eventually you're going to gain some followers. You're going to get noticed by people and you will become that thought leader. Mm -hmm. So I think that is absolutely great advice. One thing I am curious about, Trevor, is what is the right, I don't know if you want to call it a schedule, but what is the right cadence to posting video content? And is there such a thing as too much? Is there such a thing as too little? I guess too little is nothing, but how often should we be posting? Once a day, a couple of days, every other day? Is there a cadence we should stick to or should it just be kind of on the fly? I mean, what are your thoughts there? I would say I love putting a timer to absolutely everything I say I don't have time for. And if you actually put a timer to it, nothing ever takes as long as we think it does. Literally, you'll laugh at how long it would take to post a cell phone video or find a quote online or something. So there is not too much content that someone can post because the worst thing that can happen is they're going to unfollow you. And I don't think I've ever unfollowed someone on any social platform. You just keep scrolling, right? So there's no harm in posting content. Like there's no harm. I mean, I post at minimum three times a day and at least one is a video. I mean, it could be a testimonial. It could be an outtake reel that we made. It could be our team dancing in the hallway, which just shows that we're fun, right? Which helps clients stay top of mind. It helps me find people that want to work with us. Oh, wow. They just dance in the hallway and they work from home and they have quarterly meetups and they have virtual team lunches. Like, oh, I want to join that team because I'm, you know, so. There's no harm. Like, don't overthink it. So one thing I tell everybody. Mm. If you're enjoying this episode, please click the subscribe button. And make sure to connect with the Franchise Founders Podcast on LinkedIn. I have a follow-up question then. So I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm a listener on this show. I'm a franchise founder running a pretty big company. And I'm serious, right? I'm a serious business owner. Got a 50 franchisees, let's say. And they're looking to me as their leader, someone that's well financially astute. They know how to lead. They know P&Ls. They're you know, all the legal. They're their leader of this franchise organization. Where does someone draw the line? Or do they have to? Is it really dependent on the industry, on how much they can be the you know, shout out the room person? Do you think that in filming, anyone can do that? Even if you're the most dry, you know, legal, you're a lawyer or whatever. Or is it, industry specific? That's a good question about the legal thing. If you know that you're a dry, don't have that much of a personality, which let's be honest, that person is in their own head. Because I guarantee you, if they post a video, someone's gonna be like, hey, that was a great video, right? Yeah. I'm a firm advocate that the world has changed where people don't want leaders that sit behind a door that never see them. They want to know a leader that can laugh with them. They have two kids. They have a dog. They'll jump in the pool with them. I don't know how that example came to mind. If they host a company pool party, <laughs> just, just it's <laughs> long gone are the days where people expect a wall up. I think it's the leaders and it's the CEOs that actually let the wall down that win in the long run a hundred times, a hundred times over, a hundred times over. This is something someone told me that I thought was really well, uh, was very astute. Um, you know, in the emergence of the amount of private equity in franchising, there's just these incredible people coming with tremendous skill sets and knowledge bases coming in more and more into 
private equity. And I found myself maybe altering who I am a bit when interacting in, let's say, with a private equity firm as an example. And someone said to me, Dan, the entrepreneur, okay, the private equity person wants to be the entrepreneur, but their skill sets in the finance and the analytics and the entrepreneur wants to be the private equity. It's the funniest thing. So like the entrepreneur is like wearing an extra buttoned up suit, even though it's not who they are. And maybe the private equity person is trying to relate because we all want to be, it's like being an athlete and a movie star or a rapper, right? Like we all want to be the other thing. And I just thought it was interesting because again, in reflecting, I realized, wait a minute, who I am as an entrepreneur is who I am. And that's not going to change and it shouldn't change. And so I guess what you're saying is, if they really are that dry person, they should film that. And if they really at heart are an outgoing person, then film that and don't be afraid of, of what people think. Yeah. And what a great chance to post an outtake reel of this dry person also. That to me is so engaging and so funny. That will get watched more than the actual video they post. If they do like a five reasons why you need a lawyer, five tips on what to do if you get served a court document, outtake reel from the filming day. 100%. That will get more watched and it will get watched through because it's fun. And I mean, I would choose a lawyer that could make fun of himself or herself over the guy that I don't even know what he looks like because he's not on LinkedIn. There's no meet the team page and the websites from the 90s. I would not even use that person, right? So there's no harm in A, making videos, but B, after you do that, showing social proof of who you've helped because people trust strangers on the internet. That's just what it is. So the best thing you could do is post a stranger that they don't know of someone that you've helped and say, oh, that could be me. That could be me. Okay, interesting. Yeah, we got all kinds of questions. I got one more thing to add just because you really had a epiphany moment here on this show. Like I'm thinking about Back to the example, someone that's a serious business person, but showing a different side of them. And I think about like the last IFA, Catherine Monson got on stage and she's obviously someone we all look up to. She's so polished and so experienced and has so many accomplishments. And she had the video of her going to like the Rocky training. If you saw this, if you're part of our industry, she's basically, you know, running with this coach and doing like the Rocky workouts and they're playing Rocky in the background. And then she eats a raw egg, if I remember correctly in the video. And it was so authentic and so cool to see this side of her. And then on stage, she actually, right then and there, ate the egg too and showed us like how real, like she actually did it. Mm. And I just think it was such an incredible uh, way of her showing this human side of her. And not only human side, but like the energy it took to make that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about someone else, but for me, I left that thinking she was even more of a great leader, not less. And so getting out of the comfort zone is great. And I love to dive deeper because I thought the same thing. Why did you think she was a better leader? Like, why? Well, one, just like anyone, she's a regular person. She has fun in her life. She puts energy towards something. What I think I learned, you can tell about someone like Catherine Monson is she does things to the absolute best, right? So she didn't just make some video. They made an incredible, funny, well-thought-out video. And so... Not only did it make me laugh and feel a personal connection, but it also made me think about, wow, if she put this much energy into this video that, I mean, it's important, but that is you know, not her main day-to-day -day work, then imagine what she's doing for her franchisees day-to-day. -day. Yep. It shows her fun. It shows the brand 
that would make me think of fast signs the next, I mean, we film for them. So I think of them anyways, and we've gotten signs from them. But if I didn't work with them, that would stick in my mind because I don't know any other CEO that has eaten an egg on stage, <laughs> right? So it's memorable, right? And people want to work with fun people. People want to work with fun bosses. And if you go on our Meet the Team page, franchisefilming.com backslash Meet the Team, we're dancing in a parking lot, in a random, boring parking lot. And I get DMs weekly about, hey, I'd love to film for you. COVID's lonely. I want to be a part of a team. They see we do virtual lunches. Like, once again, there are so many film teams that don't turn the camera on themselves. And I've been doing that since 2015 on us and the team. And there's 37,000 videographers out there. Why should someone choose us? And it's because they fell in love with us, what we offer, and we stayed memorable by creating content that honestly made them laugh like, and gave them tips, values. And just to touch on that too, I think what draws people to content like that, like Catherine eating the egg and you dancing in a parking lot with your team is the fact that people connect with others that don't take themselves too seriously. Mm -hmm. Because... Even if it's someone that's super successful, do you really want to be the super successful, grumpy, super laced up, buttoned up executive that has no fun in their life and doesn't know how to let their hair down a little bit? I don't think anybody wants that person. And so they're thinking, well, if that's who I have to be to be successful, then I don't know that I want to be successful at all. Mm -hmm. I also think talking about video as like a sales tool also, we'd be lying to ourselves if people don't Google us all the time, right? And what comes up? If you search my name, it's the LinkedIn, it's our Meet the Team page, it's a franchise development marketing blog, it's tips on how to create marketing videos. It provides a background look about what it could look like if someone chose to work with us. And that's what's so powerful about video, whether you're a new franchisee, whether you're a franchisee, a franchisor, like Gary Vee said another quote that I loved at IFA 2019, right? I think he spoke at maybe that was 2020, I forget. He said, if you are not creating video content, you will lose in the market every single time. It may not be now, but you will eventually lose. And that's stuck with me a lot. And we're a video team. So I started filming behind the scenes videos. Like we had the film crew, film a film crew, film a film crew to do a behind the scenes look on how it, like it just, film content. And to think that people aren't wondering why don't they have videos is just, they are thinking that all the time. Why aren't there videos here? Have they helped people like me? Because I don't see any customer success stories here. It's funny to say too, I bet in your service, like someone's asked me about this podcast, like doesn't it take a lot of time? And I was like, you know, to be totally honest with you, up front it took a lot of time, but now we get on here, we do this. I mean, we, you know, we're paying for people to help us, but we do this. I joked around with some of them on our team that we have that I want to record this podcast and then never, maybe even not even listen to it, to be honest with you. I don't like listening to my own voice. So <laughs> Christian and I, we do this for an hour. We hang up. And then, I don't know, next Wednesday, it'll be up. It's a system, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to think, like, if I'm a business owner and I got to make content, I got to make articles and, and podcasts and video, if they plug into your company, like, is it kind of like that? You set up the system where they just have to focus on the content of recording? Yeah. So the biggest pain point that franchise filming solves are three things. 
One, how do I film my franchisees? They're everywhere in the US. I don't want to pay travel fees or find local videographers. So we don't charge any extra fees to actually get somewhere. So we could film in Michigan, Texas, it doesn't matter. Two, I hate waiting months for my videos. That's what I hear all the time, whether they use an internal team, whether they use a freelancer. So we take only 10 days. Lastly, I don't have time to manage a film team. Awesome. You don't even have to be a part of it. Give us the 10 people you want us to film and we will schedule it. We will film them and we will edit it. It's just one and done. There's literally a 30 minute call a month. That's all we ask of. That's six hours a year. That not having paying for travel is big. I've done a good amount of videos. Like you got to pay for the Uber and the flight and the hotel and the food mm-hmm. and their drinks that night. You know, <laughs> you cover it mm-hmm. all. And it's almost like they've outsourced this department to your company. It is absolutely, literally, as I've scaled this business from nothing to me filming everything to now me filming nothing to hiring a team to film things. I always ask myself, should I be doing this task right now? And if the answer is no, then I put in like a six-month plan to delegate it. So franchisors, business owners, you should not be dealing with the horror stories I hear of freelancers and even internal teams. Nothing against having an internal film guy. That's awesome. But they're one person. They cannot output as quickly or at the level as a dedicated film crew can. And to be honest, being super authentic, I actually forgot your question. It wasn't that great of a question anyway. Christian, you got one? Okay, okay. (laughs) Something that I'm curious about. So someone's listening to the podcast, they're a franchisor, whether they're a big franchisor, smaller, more emerging, somewhere in the middle, or maybe they're a franchisee and they're like, wow, I mean, what you're saying makes sense. I like the fact that they're taking a lot of this off my plate. I like what I'm hearing. Do you have different packages available or different tiers available for different types of clients? Because maybe there's a company that doesn't have as large of a budget as a McDonald's or a Subway, right? Or a Fast Signs. And if they're more emerging, like when do they bring you on and what kind of packages do you have? Can you accommodate different levels like that? Yeah. So mostly who we help on the franchisor side, they have at least 50 locations. I mean, the sweet spot is 100 to 150. That doesn't mean we can't help an emerging brand right? There's four levels and the investment rate depends on what exactly we are doing for them. So, aha, I can act like I staged this. So I read this book called Simplify and it talks about offer four levels and don't charge anything above it, include everything. And that's honestly one of the reasons why we've scaled so fast in the space because it's just simple. So there's four levels, varying from one filming day with one video upwards to getting 10 filming days with 50 videos. So lots of different options. That's fantastic. Lots of options. And the thing I tell people is it's okay if you want to do one video, right? But the bread and butter comes from social proof over and over and over. So if you go to our website, you see Batteries Plus talking about us. You go to our website and three days on YouTube, you'll get remarketed with what neighborly said about us. It's just like, wow, they must do what they say because all these people love them. So to have social proof and multiple videos of multiple customers and multiple franchisees talking about how great you are, I mean, it's about to be 2023. So if you're not making video content, your priorities are absolutely wrong. So on that note as well, how often should a franchisor bring you back in? 
especially if you're producing a bunch of videos, I'm sure that can last for quite some time. They can recycle them and repost and that sort of thing. But when does it make sense for them to bring you back in to film some new content? How often? I don't say this enough, and I'm very proud to say we have over a 90% return rate. So every single year they come back. So it's very important that you don't fall into the trap, someone listening of, all right, I made content in 2015. I'm good. I'm good for 10 years. The best thing you could do is create engaging, fresh content every single year. It's fantastic. So what type of content? You talked about testimonial videos. You talked about behind the scenes sort of outtakes and that sort of thing as well. But what types of content should these franchisors be putting out there? Because it seems like there's some variety. Can you touch on that? Yeah. So people listening, if you go to the Batteries Plus franchising tab, you'll see about 30 successful franchisees talking about us. If you go to Fast Signs, you'll see about 10 talking about, I'm sorry, about them, right? So the best type of content that especially a franchisor or a CDO needs to make is successful franchisee stories. And it can't be at your convention. That's 50% of the story. That's a boring talking head. You have to film them on location at their franchise, at home with their kids. So creating content of successful franchisees. And if you're a CMO, capturing people that have used your service. So we just did this for neighborly. And what we did for them is we filmed 20 people in four different states talking about their services, how they kept their yard clean, how they kept the bugs out. Like it was social proof over and over and over again. So creating social proof at any level, whether you're a CDO, CMO, is what you have to do to convert more leads. I love how we've gotten granular here. This is the goal of our podcast. You know, you listen to podcasts and people just kind of go high level. Thank you so much for sharing these detailed pieces of advice. You know, I know I want to sign up. So if somebody else feels that way, what do they do? How do they get in touch with you? Love that. Yeah, the name is pretty simple. Somehow it wasn't taken when I bought the name back in 2019. It's franchisefilming.com. You can book a call right there and we'd love to talk. And even if we're not a fit, I am here to provide tips for everybody. I just really want to share my advice about what I've learned and have brands stop thinking so much and just film people that love you. I think that's a great place to leave it, man. And I agree, ditto, Dan. I'm glad that we got so granular here. Thanks so much for all that fantastic advice. Reach out to Trevor, guys, if you need any help with filming. And it's something I think if you're leaving this podcast and you don't understand the importance of filming, I don't think you paid attention. So <laughs> go ahead and re-listen to it. But Trevor, thanks so much again for coming on. Thanks everyone for tuning in again to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing, share with your friends, leave an honest review, all that stuff. It helps us to reach more people that we can explain the power of franchising to change people's lives and help them live the American dream of business ownership. So thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. If you want our help with anything from buying a franchise to franchising your business to anything in between, shoot us an email at franchisefounders at gmail.com.